Welcome back to another episode of No More Leadership BS, where the leadership crew are here today. All right. We will start with the rose of the group, Miss Myra Hall. How are you doing, Myra? I am here oh, with bells on. You are a thorn, Geyer. Oh. <laughs> if Myra's the rose of the group, you're the columns. You're the green stem. Oh, that's the nice part. That's where all the good nice. stuff is. And we have Mr. Geyer. How are you, Jeff? Great, Jeff. Glad to be with you again, buddy. That's so sincere. Sam, how are you, buddy? Super good. Waiting to watch my football game after the podcast. Nah, not me. I've got a 65-inch TV right in front of me here. So if I yell, I'm watching the game. And the lovable, very much likable, Mr. Ted Talk himself, Geoff McLaughlin. How are you doing, pal? Hi, everybody. It's no video, but that was great. Ah, I want to debunk a myth, and it's something that I have observed for years. I'm seeing bad things come of it. When we hire people to do a job, we expect them to excel at that job. And when they do excel at that job, they'll be great. They'll be great in their position. They could be a great CPA. They can be a great uh, certified nurse's assistant. They can be a great secretary. They can be a great field executive. But when they're great, we have this tendency of putting them in a management role. And when we put them in the management role, we just say, sit and be the manager and go forth and conquer. And we don't ever support them. Let me give you an analogy. We all drive, right? We all drive cars. Yeah. See, we all drive a car. Not been in very many accidents. I'm sure some of us have been in accidents, but not very many accidents. And we have gotten our share of tickets. But how did we learn to drive? How many of us took driver's ed? A show of hands. Driver's ed? Yep. <laughs> Yeah, all five of us took, took driver's ed. How many of us drove with our parents before we actually got our license? Any of us? Any of us? All yep. five of us. So we were shown how to drive a car, right? So right. what if I asked you as you were driving your car, let's pull over and let's go. I'm going to have you fly that airplane. How many of us could fly that airplane? <laughs> One of us. Dyer. <laughs> One of us. Dyer. Because he is the low seven of the No More Leadership BS crew. But So one of us. Most of us could not drive a fly an airplane because we've never been shown how. Right. Okay. So same goes for leadership. We're putting excellent, amazing employees into a leadership role where we have no idea what their leadership, I call it pedigree, is. Mm -hmm. We believe that we lead others the way we have been led. We lead others by watching other leaders lead us. So we're taking those little golden nuggets into our first leadership position, good or bad. You might have always had a top-down hierarchical or authoritarian leader, and you feel that's the way to be. But that's not the culture of the company you're in. So in my opinion, and what I'm working with, is creating a leadership program for brand new leaders to come in and fully understand what is expected of them as a leader, not as an employee. They're excellent because why else would they be given the opportunity to be a leader? But what is the cultural organizational expectations of that brand new leader? 
My first reaction is to create some type of a program to run brand new or prospective brand new leaders through on how to be a leader, how to be a servant leader, how to listen, how to communicate effectively, how to delegate, how to work amongst them, those types of things. So what I want to bring to the group today is we need to debunk the myth and break the cycle of promoting amazing leaders into leadership roles that they're not equipped to do yet. Mm -hmm. They're great. They're great at frontline, but as a leader, not equipped to do. So I'm going to start with, I don't care, Sam. I I just went on this rant because it's a passion project for me right now. Mm -hmm. I'd like to get your intake on that one. I've got a couple of thoughts. The first one is, to go off a phrase you used, which was something like somebody's a stellar employee, but not a great leader, which may be true. And also, if they're being promoted or hired into the organization to be a leader, that's the new employment framework. So they're not yet an awesome employee because they haven't done that thing yet. And the, I would encourage folks who are not to promote somebody or be promoted themselves, take your current job description, hold that up against the proposed job description and see how different they really are. Don't just accept that because I'm great at sales, I'm now ready to be a sales leader. It's a whole different set of expectations. Examine that difference and then start to think about where and how learning should happen to make those things that have not yet been experienced much shorter, smaller, less deep learning curve because they arguably can do it, but not without trying. Right. They don't just walk in and just all of a sudden get it done. And the folks who are supervising them should come in with the grace and patience that it's not just stepping from a five mile an hour treadmill to a five mile an hour treadmill. It's a whole different body. Right. And to give them space to learn and grow is important. So what leadership skills are we looking for frontline workers when we move them up to management? We should be looking for their response to weird situations. Things that go wrong. Maybe it's a crusty customer. Maybe it's their online tracking system is down for a while. However they react and respond to something that goes wrong speaks volumes to how they will serve others when those things go wrong. Uh, And just because somebody is adept at, say, data management, doesn't mean they'll be great at people management. And the sooner we can stop thinking about leadership skills and people skills as soft skills, those are professional skills, foundational skills. If we can set exactly. aside that soft skill nonsense, it's difficult. That's why good leaders are hard to come by because there is actual work involved. So right. the frontline folks, they can show those skills, but they oftentimes haven't had the chance to be the leader. They've just shown spaces where they can grow and flourish to become the leader that, that they want to be. No, I agree. And what, I guess what frustrates me is that we'll hire someone to do a, to do a, a frontline job, a, a customer facing job, do an exceptional job at it. And we love this person and we move them to a managerial role and they don't do very well. It's the company's attitude of basically burn them with fire. We hate this person. This guy's not doing it. We got to get rid of him. You, you took him out. You originally hired the person for a frontline job, a customer facing job. But because they didn't work out as a manager, and what have you done to support that manager? Mm-hmm. So, Mr. Geyer, I know you've dealt with this in your banking and hospital days. I, I'd like to get your take on this. Thanks, Jeff. It, it's a deep subject. 
my farming backgrounds liken it to when I first learned how to drive a, a wheat combine, it was a 1959 John Deere 95 hillside that had a 12 foot wide header. The combines today have 40 foot headers. And just because I could run the small one and did it really well, it's not like we're asking you to run a bigger machine. We're asking you to run a different machine. And I think there's there's two sides to this coin. One is what you were just talking about, Jeff, is that it's incumbent upon the ownership or, or existing leadership of the organization when we promote people that are great technicians into positions of leadership, we need to make sure we provide them the training. And it's exciting. In fact, I'm looking forward to see what you put together for that company, the kind of the mid-management or beginning management leadership training program that you're putting together, because that's absolutely key. But here's the other part that I think we miss. It's the other side maybe of the same coin, is those new leaders or the new people that were promoted into the management or leadership position don't know how to, or I think sometimes don't even think about what they have to do to be accountable to themselves to learn what they need to learn to be a good leader. Just yeah. because you hold a leadership position doesn't mean you're a leader. Correct. And, and that doesn't even talk about the differences between a leader and a manager. But yes, I agree 100%. The company should be trained new leaders, managers to, to be effective. But conversely, if you want to be a good leader or a good manager, then you need to take it upon yourself to educate yourself. And there's processes to go through. This is a great place where, where coaches can help people access information and talk about different um, ideas and, and that kind of stuff. But as new leaders, and actually this follows through to the end, I don't think as a leader we ever stop learning and growing and figuring out how to be more effective. And it's on me, right? As a leader, I, I think I have to take responsibility for my own training, my own education, and I should do that from day one. And that should be part of what the company is helping me do when they've hired me into a new leadership spot. That is correct. Sam just wrote what, and, and they may not know what they don't know. They exactly. don't know. They don't know what they don't know. Growing up, my dad owned two restaurants. And so I watched my dad. My dad was very much a top-down hierarchical do-as-I-say type guy. So when I first became a leader, I tried that. And it didn't work for me. So I had to go find my own leadership voice. And that's where I got into the whole servant leadership aspect of things. Right. I'm not top-down. I'm more servant leadership. And, and I think there's more of a, for me personally, I think there's more of a buy-in, especially in today's society. Yeah, and... and Agree with that totally. The tools are different, right? The tools of a technician, like my old farming days, the tools of the technician was operating the combine. And so if I became the manager or the leader of a group of combines, it's less important that I know how to run the machine than it is to do things like be introspective on who I am and who the people are and seek feedback from the, the people I'm leading and be committed to whatever behaviors and mission that the organization has and all that stuff that's different from actually operating the machine or being the good technician, the frontline employee, right. like you're talking about. Right. Yeah. You, right. you stop paying attention. That's not the right way to say it. You stop focusing on the details of the job and start focusing on the people. Exactly. Myra, the voice of reason. He was just talking <laughs> about technical details and 
I took three steps back and thinking there's tools out there for hiring people and hiring the right people. Maybe they may not be born leaders, but they're going to have certain behavior characteristics that are going to have certain driving forces, if you will. Come to mind is I would want to know their EQ score. I would want to know their ability to handle their emotions and other people's emotions. If you find somebody with a high EQ score, you're going to have somebody that's very teachable and that's open to other people. And the other one is, I think leaders can come in all shapes and forms. As far as the disc goes, there's some that have become leaders more naturally because they want to step up and be in control and that type of thing. I think your driving forces, your truck driving forces really give you real good insight into what this particular person is motivated by. And for instance, are they collaborators or are they commanders? Do they like to be in control? Is is that what motivates them to take the ball and run it? Or are they the kind of people that want to have a, a consensus? Are any of these right or wrong or not? It depends on your situation and what you need for that leadership position. But what I, the point I'm trying to make is the tools are out there and we have them. We, as coaches, we're trained to help you pick the person that could be the best fit for your situation and then maybe even help you map out a training type of, of style for this person. No, I was just going to say, I, I agree. I, I think the disc and, and all that, it, I think it it helps you give a little quantification of what they can do. But I think the other piece of that is the company's responsibility to step up and say, okay, these are your strengths and weaknesses. So how do we develop those strengths and weaknesses and to, to work within our company's culture? Oh, absolutely. This does not take that off of their plate. This is actually more for the hirer than it is for the hiree. And nobody wants to put somebody in a position where they're bound to fail. No, Nobody I wants that. And, I, and by I, having that, they can get a heads up and they have to know what they're looking for. Yep. So they have to know there's more to hiring a leader than just bringing the next person in line is right. what I'm trying to say. Right. Much it, and and I, and I and I'm a big believer in the disc and and the, the behavior assessment because it tells me a little bit about them that will help me shape their training program Absolutely. to develop our culture. Mr. McLaughlin, what do you got, my friend? As we were having this conversation, I was reminded of the movie School of Rock with Jack Black, where in education, as he's a substitute teacher, he says, "Those who can't do teach; those who can't teach PE." And I would like to add, those who can't teach PE are promoted into positions of leadership, such as principals and vice principals and administrators. <laughs> Which, I'm going to get in trouble for that, but it's so interesting because we can edit about, that out. I guess we're I, not getting sponsored by any local school we're not district. Sponsored by any school districts. It's so fascinating, though, because I look at the world of leadership in through the eyes of education, through educators. And I often, I have not been trained as a principal. But I know a lot of principles. I know some really good ones and I know some really crappy ones. And I don't know how much training they get in leadership right. in terms of, hey, this is how you lead a team. 
because I've seen it done horribly and I've done very well. And oftentimes the biggest complaints are, great, you're the principal, you're you're not the God of the school, it's not your school, okay? You are the principal of the school, it's not your school, you know? And so mm-hmm. it, that that ability to lead people, that EQ part of how do I support people, how do I serve people, if they don't even have the awareness that they are now in a leadership position, that they have to be a leader. Like that's the job requirement of the leadership person. Like you're a leader. Okay, cool. But what does that even mean? If it's not designed, if it's not clearly stated, this is the new position. Like Dr. Sam said, you're not going from a treadmill to a treadmill. You're going from a treadmill to, hey, now you're racing a cheetah. Okay, good luck, go. And (laughs) see how that works. If you don't have any clear idea of what your expectations are, what your job is, what you can do to fulfill, not just the job, but to help create a culture that enhances the organization that you're with, you're bound to fail because you don't have clear metrics. And I honestly, I'm not a huge metrics guy. I don't like the numbers, but I do like how do we help the the organization become better? And those kind of metrics I find interested in because those are the things that help us to move to the next level. And so if we have those, if you can say, wait a minute, leadership looks like this. Are you sure? Okay, what, what does it mean if it doesn't look like that? Is there another way to do it? How does it make it more successful for everybody? Just having those ability, to, that, that ability to, one, have that self-awareness, and then two, have that clear communication with the whoever's above you. If you're the very top, you might have to, you might have to do some soul searching. But if you're in that higher echelon of leadership, you should have a group of people around you that are helping to lead, that are mentoring you. I well, think that's really important too. I do too. And I, and I think that if you're going to elevate someone from a frontline worker to a manager, a mid-level manager, they, they need to be given their expectations. Now, if with well, here's the other thing that you got to think about. A lot of times people are moved up from mid-level, from frontline worker to mid-level manager in their same department. So I always say, mm-hmm. you, where you were one of them, now you lead them. And I've had conversations with people that have done that. And it's and it's hard on them because like one person said to me, you remember how we used to go out and, and talk about the boss? And I go, yeah. And they go, now they're talking about me. You're the boss. So, <laughs> you're the boss. And, and so my response is always either you, you grow a thicker skin or you quit. Yeah, it's that's the truth. So it's really hard to do that. But when you're going to move someone from a frontline worker to a, a leadership role, possibly even overseeing the same department, the expectations need to be set. And then you need to help support that person on how do you reach those expectations. They already know the frontline job. They know the job. They need to find their voice, like I said earlier, their leadership voice on how to lead that group of people. I agree with that, Jeff. I I really do. I I just want to emphasize, I I feel the need to emphasize comes from the, the whole own it mentality that we always talk about. In today's society, seeming more and more people are, are waiting for somebody else to do something. Yes. And doggone it, if you're in a leadership role or you just got hired into a leadership role, your goal, one of your goals should be the best, most effective leader you can be. To me, it's not enough to say, I, I finally became a, a leader or I finally became a CEO or I finally, you know, what whatever. No, you have to want to do the deep and hard work that it takes to learn how to be an ever-increasingly effective leader. And whether the company's providing leadership training for you or not, you need to take it upon yourself as the leader or as an aspiring leader or maybe as a brand new leader. Because if you don't, resisting that development 
to me is getting an airplane ticket and getting on an airplane to go to an exotic place that you always wanted to see and you always wanted to visit. And when you get there, you just stay in the airport bar. Right. It's like you got to go out and experience new things and learn from different people and all of that kind of stuff. So I agree with you. The company has a responsibility to train its leaders, continuously train its leaders. But new leaders or existing leaders have a responsibility to help themselves as well. I 100% agree with that. And also, not a lot of companies are going to develop a leadership program. So that's where I, that's where I would endorse a mentorship. Your supervisors should be meeting with you once a week, coming together with a plan. How can we do that? That type of stuff. There, there just needs to be some type of a, a mentoring development program for brand new leaders and not leaving them out to hang. That's basically what you're doing is you're leaving leaders right. out to hang. And when they don't do well, you're going to burn them with fire. And, mm-hmm. and when they were doing exceptionally well, hitting numbers that were rarely achieved by others on the front line and you put them in a leadership role and they tank. It's just, it's right. not fair. It's horrible. And bad things happen from that. Yeah, and I agree with you. And I think you and I are saying the exact same thing. Yeah. The company has a responsibility and the person, the employee, the leader has a responsibility. And when both of them accept that responsibility towards growth and education and more effectiveness and all, that's when you really get effective leaders and high performing teams. 100% agree. I could talk for hours on this subject, guys, but Myra says we're out of time. So we can blame Myra on this episode. <laughs> she gave us a countdown. Three. She, two, she did. One. She actually did. She did. She did. This is a great topic. I, I really do hope that leaders take this to heart and you, you will cut the, you, you will have better retention if you develop your leaders for the long haul. Training is expensive and you will save money by keeping people. If you have any questions, please email us at ask us at leadership at leadershipbs.co. Is that right, Myra? Mm-hmm. Okay, I just want to make sure. That's only been three years. Ask us at leadershipbs.co. Leave us a, a comment down in the comment section. We would love to, to hear your thoughts. Give us a five-star review and keep on listening to No More Leadership BS. On behalf of this amazing No More Leadership BS crew, Myra, Jeff, and Dur Sam, we invite you to listen and we look forward to next time. Have a great day, everybody. Bye.